Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Can we all stand to our feet? It's good to see you. God is good in all the time. We're going to start with the Word of God here this morning in Matthew 16, 13, and 20. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus replied and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And he says this, and he says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He says, I will give you the keys of kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What I want us to see before we step in and begin this time together into this worship service is that we're not just coming into a brick and mortar building. We're coming into a moment. We're coming into an encounter with the risen Savior. Do you believe that today? We need to set our mind right. Sometimes we come in here out of tradition. We come out of, out of habits. We come out of here just not even, we enter in and not even really thinking about what we're doing. And we just think, oh, I'm supposed to stand up. I'm supposed to sing a song. I'm supposed to clap my hands. It's just become habitual. It's just a routine. But I want you to set our minds right and to know that we're setting into a moment. And God is asking us a question right now. And he says, who do you say I am? We might sing the song and say, you know, the, the songwriter says you're the rock. The songwriter says you're the highest king. The songwriter says, but he's like, but no. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Hear me today, brothers and sisters. We are in the presence of the king. And he's asking us a question. And it's up to us to respond to that question. Now, here's the beauty and the power of this encounter is that he says who do you say that I am and Simon responded he says I believe that you are and Jesus said blessed are you Simon he says but now I call you Peter he changed his name do you see what happened here there was a transformation that took place with the exchange when we come into that moment with the king we have an opportunity to be transformed. Do you believe that today? You have the opportunity to walk in here as one person and to walk out a changed person. Cathedral of Faith, I think we need to set our expectations high that we're not just here to fill up time and space. We're not just here to sing a couple songs and to hear some encouraging words. I want to be changed. I want to be changed. Does anybody else desire to be changed? So Cathedral of Faith, you may have walked in depressed, but you can walk out of here encouraged. You may walk in here feeling broken, but you can walk out of here being built up. You may have walked in here being in bondage, but you can walk out of here a free man and woman. Come on, there's something that 
is miraculous that can take place in this moment if you set your expectation high. So Cathedral of Faith, if you have it in your heart that you want to be changed, come on, lift your hands in this moment. Father God, we call upon the name of the Lord in this moment, and we ask that you would set us free. We ask that you would inspire. We ask that you would bring life. We ask that you would heal and deliver us today. You are the Son of God. You are the true and living God. We respond to you in this moment. And we say, God, we surrender to this moment and we ask that you would change us. We ask that you would restore us. We ask that you would reconcile us unto yourself. Father God, we love you. We love you and we believe that when we declare to you who you are, you will declare to us who we are. So in the name of Jesus, we declare to you that you are the living God and we will serve you, we will honor you, we will bless you, we will praise you. And in the name of Jesus, all of God's people shouted in this moment, amen. Come on, if your expectation is high, come on, put your hands together. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey. was lost, but he brought me his love for me, oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free, Thank you, God. always free in thee. I'm a child of God, yes, sir. A slave to Jesus, I Yes, he died for me. Who the sun sets free, yes, always free. I'm a child of God, just die in my
say I am is countering the lies that we tell ourselves about ourselves and I'm just a failure and I'll always be one you've messed up too much God can't use you anymore your time has passed you'll never amount to anything all these lies you're not good enough I'm not good enough when you feel those things coming upon you you have to revert to a higher authority and that authority is not you. And you have to speak to yourself or speak to the enemy, speak to that principality, that power, and you have to just say, Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I didn't say this, but he said it. I'm a child. 
Yes, I. You're too, you're too broken. You're too broken to be used by God. You can't be a preacher. You can't be a singer. You can't be a minister of the gospel. But you have to say, in my father's house, no matter what, there's a place for me. Believe it and say it. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Oh, Cathedral of Faith, do you believe that? Let that get into your spirit today. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. We believe that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. We lean into that in this moment. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I've known you as a friend I have 
our hands together as we sing this and pray this. Sing all of my life, all my life, you have been faithful. Yes. All my life, you have been so, so personal song of gratitude to the Lord. We worship you, Lord. You are so good, so good. All my life you have been faithful. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that it's running after us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just give him thanks and praise. Hallelujah. I know Pastor Vaughn, it's running after you. It's running after you, foo. It's running after you, Rita. God's goodness is running after us in this moment. All my life you have been faithful. Ah, I will sing of the goodness of God. I'll rejoice in the goodness of God. I'll live in the goodness of God. Oh, we thank you, God, for your goodness because God is good and all the time. You know, when I was a little kid, my parents taught me this prayer that we prayed every night at the dinner table, and it went like this. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. By his hands, we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. Anyone ever heard that one before? We used to say that every time, and notice the two great truths about God is great, and God is good. You know, he's great, he has all power, he knows all things, nothing's impossible for him. But I know a lot of great people who do great things have a lot of power and they're not very good. But the beautiful thing is his greatness is expressed in his goodness to you. It's been running after you all your life and I hope in this moment you can pause and know that goodness to you. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 107 this great verse when he says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love endures forever. Let's say that together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love endures forever. You guys were sort of whispering. I'd like you to like join in praise. Let's do it one more time. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love endures forever. I'm believing you're gonna leave here different today, amen? Pastor Vaughn already told us, this is a place to be transformed and God's goodness is about to transform you. When you see yourself the way he sees you, when you see who he is and when you declare who he is, 
your Lord. His goodness is running after you. I don't know. I just want to camp here a little bit. How fun. Well, as you're being seated, turn to somebody and say, God's goodness is running after you. Well, welcome to Cathedral of Faith. We're so glad you're here with us, whether you're inside or outside, in a car, or in a chair, standing, watching at home. It's great to see all of you. Thanks for being with us. God has got a great word for us today that he's going to work in our hearts and lives. I especially want to say welcome to those of you who are guests with us. If you've only been coming a short period of time, I invite you following service to go out into the foyer. There's this sign that says, I'm new. And you can go up to the QR code or you can go to our guest center. We'd like to get to know you, continue to grow because Cathedral of Faith family is ever growing and we're glad that you're here and you're part of it. Speaking of Cathedral of Faith family, you may not know this, but we are around the bay and around the world. We have campuses in the Philippines and England. We have campuses in Morgan Hill and Bilpitas and in Gilroy. In fact, this weekend is Gilroy Cathedral of Faith's sixth anniversary. Woohoo! Amen. All right, there's a sign. There it is. Sixth anniversary for Gilroy. Pastor Kent and the team there have been faithfully leading. They've been great at living out the love of God in that community. We're so grateful for them. In fact, there's a Spanish Bible study that's been going on at our Gilroy campus. We're about to open a Spanish campus in Gilroy. Woo! And because of the new facility we have in Milpitas, we're getting ready to open a Spanish campus in Milpitas. Shout out to Pastor John and his team who meet here every Sunday. And speaking of Pastor John, the last two weeks, hasn't the word of the Lord been powerful? Last week, Pastor John talked to us in this power-up series about the importance of anointing. And we had anointing oil available for you to take home and anoint your home, anoint your car, anoint your computer, anoint yourself, anoint your family, anoint whatever you want to anoint for God's blessing. And we ran out last week. So if you did not get a vial of anointing oil to take home, there's plenty at the guest center today. I encourage you to stop by, pick them up so that you can anoint your world, set it apart for God's purposes and his glory. Well, we want you to be blessed. And so we take special time to plan and prepare moments that you can be blessed. And one of them coming up in just a few weeks is our Ignite Marriage Conference. This is a moment in which we are wanting all the marriages and couples and, and those who are in relationship with each other to go to the next level and here to help us Get a little more excited and know a little bit more about it. I want to throw it to Carl and Leslie, who are out in the amphitheater. It's great to see you, Gardinos. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Wayne. Leslie and I are delighted to be here this morning, and I want to mention three dates. The first one is very important to me. It was life-changing. The next two are for all of us. The first one, May 10th, 2003. That was nearly 19 years ago when this beautiful woman beside me said, I do. <laughs> but just saying I do isn't enough. It's saying I will be married to you every day. And that's why the second two dates are even more important for all of us. 
That's because on Friday evening, February 25th, and Saturday morning, February 26th, we're hoping you will join us for our inaugural Ignite Silicon Valley right here at Cathedral of Faith in the, in the uh, um, auditorium, here in the amphitheater, or in the drive-in, wherever you're comfortable. To if you're married, engaged, dating, just want to have that relationship, Ignite Silicon Valley Marriage Conference is for you. Because here's the humbling truth. One of every two marriages in our country ends in divorce. More humbling, the difference between marriages in our Christian faith community and marriages outside of our Christian faith still have those statistics. One out of every two end in divorce. And we want to save and strengthen marriages together. Leslie, can you share some of the speakers who will be joining us? Absolutely. We are so excited to be able to bring to this conference Gary Chapman. Has anyone heard of the five love languages or read his books? He's going to be joining us in person to speak about marriage and the love languages here. So it's, we're really blessed to have him. We also have Michael Jr., who's a Christian comedian, um, smiling and laughing with a purpose. And he will help us learn about joy, bringing joy and laughter into our marriages and our families. Jay and Catherine Wolf, they are the authors of Hope Heals, a really powerful testimony of a life-changing, life-altering event that they lived through as a couple and have come out even stronger. We also have Jamie Jones, the award-winning singer um, from All for One, who sings the song I Swear, which is really going to be a fun time to listen to his music. And Chris Brown, who speaks about finances. Here in Silicon Valley, we have a lot to learn about how to live with purpose and within our finances. So he's going to really be just wonderful to hear. And then our own Pastor Ken will also be speaking. So it's just going to be a powerful couple of days. We know that you will be changed. And when we attended a similar conference to this a few years ago, it really just changed the purpose and course of our marriage. So we hope you'll join us for Ignite Silicon Valley. Again, those dates, Friday evening, February 25th, Saturday morning, February 26th. You can register by grabbing the postcard in the lobby, going to the website here at Cathedral of Faith. Register today and join us, and let's strengthen our marriages. Amen. Thanks so much, Carl and Leslie. Appreciate all they've done, along with Pastor Irene and Vaughn, to make this a possibility. And again, I encourage you, this is a great opportunity. Diane and I have gone to conferences through the years. Sometimes we had to fly hours to get to good conferences. Sometimes we had to drive hundreds of miles. You can just come to church and be blessed in this great opportunity. So we hope you'll join us. Well, it's not very often that our culture honors a preacher, honors a pastor. And this weekend, our culture honors Martin Luther King Jr. And here's one of his quotes I want to share with you. It says, life's most persistent and urgent question is this. What are you doing for others? This is so biblical. Loving God and loving others is the bottom line to what being a follower of Jesus is all about. And as Martin Luther King Jr. shares with us, what are you doing for others? Maybe for your spouse, you could sign up for this conference, even though you're like, I don't want to really go to that. But if sign up, do something good for your spouse, sign up and be part of that. Another way that we get to do something good for others is when we bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord. 
This is a moment in which we say, God, I thank you for what you're doing. I want to be part of what you want to, are doing. I want to do good to others in my giving. In fact, the psalm I read to you earlier, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. A few verses later, it says in that same chapter, let them present thank offerings and loudly proclaim what he has done. Because he is good, our response is we do something good for others by bringing our tithes and offerings. And there are so many ways you can do that. In the foyer, there's an ATM machine you can go to. You can go to our app. You can go to online. Our ushers are walking the aisles. If you need an envelope to put your tithes and offerings in, they'll receive that at the end of service. So many ways that you can do good to others by being obedient to the Lord in this moment of giving. Well, we're in this powerful series called Power Up. And Pastor Ken's coming now to help us in that journey so that we can leave here transformed and full of God's power. Hello, Cathedral. It's so good to see you today. Yeah, let's give God praise. We're here together. In fact, what was that? that do you see something follow me out on stage? Look at that. It's goodness and mercy chasing after me. Amen. The psalmist said, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can somebody say amen to that? Wow. Again, it's so good to see. I'm going to invite you to stand as we prepare to dig into the Word together, whether you're here on site, in the building, out in the amphitheater, over in the drive-in, whether you're at one of the campuses, or whether you're part of our online community. Thanks so much for being here today. And let's invite God to meet us in this moment. What a powerful service it's already been. Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for these wonderful people who are here today, locked in. They've created space to come and meet you in this moment. And God, I pray that they would hear the one thing they need to hear. Lord, there'll be a lot of stuff said, but let that one thing. Holy Spirit, take that, apply it to each life so that we can leave here changed because we've met you in this moment. That's a heart. That's our desire. Start with me. All God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give God praise one more time. Amen. Amen. Oh, before you're seated, tell somebody, goodness and mercy are chasing after you. Go ahead. Goodness and mercy are chasing after you. They really are. But we're in this series called Power Up. And for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about how to power up when you're feeling down. Now, this is a perfect message for me after last night's football game. <laughs> how do you power up when you're feeling down? Because it seems to me all of us know what it is. I saw this one sign that said, well, apparently rock bottom does have a basement, and all of us know what it is to be in the basement. I mean, even the most up person, at times they know what it is to be discouraged, or to be depressed, or to be disheartened. 
It's part of the human condition. In fact, one dog, he puts it this way. He says, people who don't get discouraged aren't human. It's a part of the human condition. So what do we do when we're in the basement? Maybe you're there even now. How do you power up <clears throat> when you're feeling down? I remember before the pandemic, I went to a conference and I'll never forget one phrase that one of the speakers used. I mean, it really surprised me. It was a conference on leadership, and he said the most important thing for you as a leader to do is, now I was expecting him to say cast vision, to cast an image of a preferable future for those that you're leading. Or I was expecting him to say, well, Build a great team because it takes teamwork to make the dream work. Or I was expecting him uh, to say, uh, you know, you have to have grit because it takes tenacity and determination in order to lead your organization and achieve those goals. But instead, he took me by surprise when he said, the most important thing you need to do as a leader is to do whatever it takes to keep yourself encouraged and the more I thought about it I thought he made a very good point because if the leader loses heart then those who are following that has a way of trickling down so this whole idea of staying encouraged it's very important but how do we get out of the basement all of us know what it is to go there. How can we make sure we don't stay there? How do we power up when we're feeling down? Well, if you're feeling down today, then you're in very good company because there's a powerful prophet by the name of Elijah. And he was once feeling low, feeling so low that in 1 Kings chapter 19, he says to God, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Take my life. Are you glad that God doesn't answer some of your prayers? Here the prophet was so discouraged He's feeling low, and it was right on the heels of one of his highest highs. He had just faced off against 450 false prophets in a battle royale. It was a contest to see who was the true God. Was it Baal or was it Yahweh? And so they have this contest, the 450 prophets, you know the story, the false prophets, they pray, but nothing happens. So what does Elijah do? He trash talks, uh, talks a little bit, and they get mad, and they pray even harder. They slash himself, but still nothing happens. But when Elijah prays, fire comes down from heaven. The people declare, the Lord, he is God. And eventually rain falls down. It's one of the highest highs, the highest high he would ever have in his ministry. And then right on the heels of that, 
he has one of his lowest lows. When the wicked king here, the wicked queen hears that Elijah has defeated those 450 prophets, those are her false prophets. And she goes through the roof. You would think that she might have a change of heart. Have a change of heart, Jezebel. Soften your heart before God. But instead, she hardens her heart toward God. And she says to Elijah, she sends a message. You can be sure that I will kill you just as I killed the other prophets. I'll do it by this time tomorrow. And Elijah Here's the threat, runs for his life, and then he prays that God would take his life. Isn't that interesting? We human beings are a complicated lot. He runs for his life, and then he prays that God would take his life. Jezebel would have granted his wish. But here you see Elijah, conflicted, like all of us are at times. He's feeling really low. He's down in the dumps. He's in the basement. What do you do when you're in the basement? How do you power up when you're feeling down? I want to look at four things that we find in this passage that can help us to find our way. The first one has to do with recharge your batteries. Would you say that with me? Recharge your batteries. Would you say it again? Recharge your batteries. This is my cell phone. And on my cell phone, there's this little space that tells you how much charge is left in that phone. And when it hits red, that means you need to put that phone on the charger or that thing's going to be dead before long. And I want you to imagine with me that you have one of these on the inside of you. Because you do. And it tells you how much charge you have left. We don't have unlimited charge. We're human beings and we need to accept our limitations. We have enough charge, but there's times that we need to recharge to restore the soul, restore the spirit, restore the body. And it's this rhythm of life that's the key. In fact, I'm going to invite you to Uh, to join with me in a little interactive activity this morning. If you're comfortable doing this, everybody just, would you snap your fingers with me? Are you ready? All right, let's go. Here, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Look, Cathedral, we got our groove back. Amen. Give yourself a hand. Way to go. You guys got it locked in. You know what you call that? You call that rhythm. And there's a rhythm to life. There's a rhythm of giving and receiving, of self-sacrifice and self-care, of work and of rest, of breathing in and breathing out. (laughs) And as long as we keep that rhythm and we recognize that rhythm, we have a way of, of staying powered up. But when we ignore that rhythm and we live like this, You know what happens before long? We're running on empty. Or as I like to say, it's the out of rhythm blues. Because once you're out of rhythm, eventually you're singing the blues. That's what happens to Elijah. 
And when you're, when you're exhausted, I mean, the prophet is physically exhausted, he's emotionally exhausted, he's spiritually exhausted, he's just spent. And when you're exhausted, it's hard to be courageous. Vince Lombardi once said this about courage. He said, fatigue makes cowards, cowards of us all. Let me say that again. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. And it's true. Boy, when you, uh, you know, fatigue turns us all into cowards. And I think that's what happens to Elijah. I mean, Elijah had just so, showed so much courage and so much confidence when he faced down the king and the 450 false prophets. And then <laughs> the wife of the king makes a threat. And all of a sudden, Elijah's in a panic. Where did the courage go? I mean, you, you know, I've met some women who were scary. Have you ever met some scary women? I, I mean, this woman right here, she's a scary woman. And Jezebel, she was maybe a scary woman. I heard about one young man. He was, uh, he was training to be a policeman. And so part of the training is he had to answer questions about what he would do in different scenarios. So they asked him the question, if you had to arrest your mom, what would you do? And the young man said, I'd call for backup, sir. <laughs> There's some women who are scary, maybe Jezebel. She was a scary woman. Should we cut Elijah some slack? A little bit, but still, this was so out of character for him. This guy had more courage in his little finger than I have in my whole body, and yet even Elijah got fatigued, and then he was afraid. And so what does God do? God sends an angel to Elijah, and we read in 1, Corinthians, or 1 Kings 19, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. What does God do? God sends an angel to give him something to eat, do you think that was angel food cake? I couldn't resist. And something to drink and to give him some rest. And is that what you need today? If you're in the basement, what could you do this week to renew your body, renew your soul, renew your spirit, to get your rhythm back? You know, maybe you've come off a big high point and you just planned out that wedding or you finished a big project at work or you've, you've had a new baby or you know, you've, you've had this season of really meaningful ministry or you even coming out of celebrating the holidays. All those are good things, but sometimes we forget those high moments drain your energy just like those low moments do. And that's why we've got to pay attention to the rhythm of life. If you're in the basement today, get back your rhythm. Get back your groove. Renew your spirit. Renew your soul. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give God praise, amen, for the truth that we find in his word. I've got my groove back. Say that with me. I've got my groove back. Uh, now, here's the second thing we find in the story, and this is to share your struggle. To share your struggle. You know, the ironic thing about being discouraged or depressed is that sometimes you do things 
which cause you to be even more depressed. For example, I don't know about you, but when I get depressed, I tend to find my chair. And I sit in my chair, and I grab the remote, and I grab some ice cream, and I sit in the dark, and I have a party. I have a private party. It's my own private pity party. But when the party is over, and I finish the ice cream because I always finish the ice cream, instead of feeling better, I feel it even worse. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Why, there was, you remember the song, Pity Party? Part of the song went like this. It goes, it's my party, and I'll cry if I want to, cry if I want to, cry, cry, cry. I'll cry until the candles burn down this place. I'll cry until my pity party's in flames, and that's what I do. I stay in the dark, I have a private pity party, and I burn my own house down. Because when you don't share your struggles, boy, on the other hand, if I'll reveal how I feel to someone else, it's like having a bathtub full of water, and it's dirty water, but you finally unplug, you pull the plug out, and what happens? All of that gunk goes down the drain, gets out of the tub. And the same kind of thing can happen when you take your feelings and you're willing to reveal them and share them with somebody else. You share your frustration or your fear or your anger or your despair. You reveal how you feel. When you reveal how you feel, you're on your way to being healed. Revealing your feeling has a way of opening the door to your healing. I want you to own that today because maybe you're in the basement and you're there, you're all alone in the dark. Today's the day you can bring it into the light and what a difference it makes. The head of the Oregon uh, School of Medicine once said this, he said, more good is done between two friends at 10 o'clock in the morning over a cup of coffee than in the doctor's office all day long. There's something about being connected. If you're isolated, do you need that cup of coffee today? You know, God comes to Elijah, and the first thing he does is he asks him a question. He said, Elijah, he says, what are you doing here? Now, it's similar to the kind of question God asked Adam. Adam, where are you? Or the question he asked Cain. Cain, where's your brother? Or the question he asked Moses. Moses, what do you have in your hand? When God asks a question, it's not because God doesn't know the answer. Instead, God asks a question to help us out. And when he asks Elijah the question, he's giving Elijah the invitation to reveal how he feels because God can handle our feelings. Can I say that again? God can handle your feelings. He really can. And when I reveal how I feel, it's one of the ways I defeat my, the enemy because there's an enemy in the soul and he tries to keep you right here, isolated in the dark. He loves to work in the dark. 
So he wants to keep you in the dark. And as long as you're there, he can defeat you. If he can isolate you, he can defeat you. But when I make a decision, I'm coming out of the dark and into the light. And I'm going to reveal to God how I'm feeling. I'm on my way to my healing. Can somebody say amen to that? Hallelujah. Well, this is what Brooke Shields found. The actress Brooke Shields, she once was battling postpartum depression, which is a very you know, severe depression. And it was this link to others, knowing that she was not alone in her struggles that really made the difference. She said, when I felt there was nothing I could do to help myself, knowing that I was prayed for was often the only thing that stood between me and despair. See, there's power. Revealing our feeling can lead to our healing. And so that's why we wanna share our struggles. And as we continue on through the story, we find next that Elijah needs to adjust his thinking. Adjust his thinking. When the prophet answers God's question, why are you here? We can see why he's down. He feels like he's been a complete failure. That he's the only one left serving God, the only one left who loves God. The only one left who, well, Jezebel is getting ready to take him out too. And so he's got this negative mindset, and here's what he says to God. In fact, if we can go back to, uh, there we go. He says, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. No wonder Elijah is feeling so low. Look at his mindset. Look at his mindset. You know, it's interesting. I want you to think about a question Does negative thinking cause depression or does depression cause negative thinking? And psychologists say that the answer is both. That your negative thinking can lead to negative feeling, to feeling depressed. And then feeling depressed can reinforce negative thinking. And then more negative thinking can reinforce that depression. And you can continue to spiral and spiral until you're all the way in the basement. And yet God gives us hope that by the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can change our mindset and we can spiral up, power up in the other direction. We find that hope in Romans chapter 12. God says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Can we give God praise for his promise? Amen. Changing the way that I think. It's changing my mindset. Allowing the Holy Spirit to change my mindset because your mindset makes a difference. It's like the two buckets that were at the well. One of the buckets said, I'm so depressed, so depressed, because no matter how full I am when I leave the well, every time I come back, I'm empty. The other bucket said, I'm so excited, because no matter how empty I am when I come back to the well, I always leave here full. Or the two girls, the two little girls, one said, mom, mom, she was, she was, frowning she says oh mom she said the roses are blooming and there's a there's a thorn for every rose and the other little girl said mom mom with a smile roses are blooming and there's a rose for every thorn 
Can you see the difference? The power of your mindset. See, Elijah not only had a negative mindset, he had a, a wrong mindset. That, and we, we find that wrong mindset in 1 Kings chapter 19. God gives him a better perspective. God says to him, look, I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bound down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. He hadn't been a total failure after all. And the mindset makes such a difference. One of my favorite films is called It's a Wonderful Life. Has anybody seen that movie? I mean, it was just, it just celebrated its 75th year anniversary. And in that film, what happens is I watch it every year. It never gets old. There's a man by the name of George Bailey. And he owns this building and loan company that he took over from his father. But they lost some money. And so now it looks like the business is going under and he's going to go to jail. And he just feels like he's been a complete failure. Somebody hear this today because Truth be told, you feel looking at your life like it's been a complete failure. He feels like it's going to be, he's been a complete failure, and so he's going to end his life. But thank God for Clarence. Clarence the angel steps in, and he ends up rescuing George. And the way he rescues him is this. He shows him what life would have been like if he had never been born. And George realizes, whoa, I haven't been a complete failure. You know, I have made a difference. My life does matter. And when he comes back, he's facing the same situation. It's the same situation, but his mood is different. Instead of me telling you, see if you remember this. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, George! Merry Christmas, George! Merry Christmas, movie house! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, you wonderful Billy alone! Hey! Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter! Happy New Year to you! In jail! Go on home, they're waiting for you! <laughs> Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, I've uh, got a little paper. I'll get it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas, reporters. Are... Where's Mary? Mary? Oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary? 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 Have you, you seen my wife? Mary? 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 Kids? Pete? Boy, a mindset makes a difference in your mood. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to change our mindset, we read this. It says, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Would you read that with me? Letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Let's give God praise for his word. Amen. I can see my mindset changing and I'm on my way out of the basement. That brings us to this last idea before we receive communion together. The last idea is this, claim your future. Claim your future. 
I have a future. Say that with me. I, I want you to own it and declare it over your life. Say it with me again. I have a future. My dad used to say where there's no hope for the future, there's no joy in the present. But when you take your future and link it to God, can I ask you a question? What have you linked your future to? See, if I take my future and link it to God, then I know I'm going to have a hope and I'm going to have a future. In fact, I'm going to invite you to do one more thing with me. It's another interactive experience, and this is a science experiment. So if you take these two fingers, your right two fingers, and if you just do this, and then you go over and you put those fingers on your left wrist, go ahead and do that. And check your pulse. Is everybody's pulse still beating? Well, then follow the science. If you still have a pulse, you know what that means? It means God is not finished with you yet. God is not finished with you yet. If you have a pulse. If you have a pulse, God is not finished with you yet. I mean, when God comes to Elijah, you know, he gives him a sense of mission and purpose about his future. In fact, can we jump to the first Kings chapter 19? We read, God says to Elijah, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah to replace you as my prophet. He says, Elijah, you're going to go and you're going to anoint a new king for the nation. And then you're going to mentor a new prophet. And that new prophet is going to do twice as much as you have done. He reignites a sense of purpose about the future in Elijah's life. And friend, what God did for him, God can do for us. I have a future. Say that with me. I have a future. I want you to claim that today because when you lose hope about the future, it's hard to breathe. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It just is. But when you regain that hope and God can give you that hope, Romans 15, 13 says this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope, overflow with hope, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And maybe that's why I'm so fired up. You know, I've been on staff here for 40 years, but I'm more fired up today than ever I know it's hard to believe, but I am. Oh, wait a second, time out, you say. Time out, Pastor Ken. You're no spring chicken. Oh, man, I know that. I'm like this, well, this one chicken went to see the therapist, said, let's face it, doc, I'm no spring chicken anymore. I'm 62 years old. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I still have my rugged good looks. Everybody's got to have a dream, but I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And yet, just because I'm not a spring chicken doesn't mean I have to go the way of the dodo bird. So I still have a future. The New England Journal of Medicine did a study, and you know what they found? They found that the most productive time 
in a person's life generally is when they hit their 60s. In other words, in other words, at 62, there's still more goals to achieve. There's still more dreams to be pursued. There's still more vision to be fulfilled. I'm not finished. I'm just getting started. And what God has said to me, I believe is true for you. In fact, I'm going to invite you to stand. And as the tech team clears the stage and Seti gets ready to sing and we go to the Lord's table together, I want you to read a scripture with me. And I want you to own this, own this passage today. Say it with me. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans to give me a hope and a future. Say that with me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. And I declare that today over every member of the Cathedral of Faith. I declare that God, you would give them a hope and you would give them a future. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to take the elements, hold them in your hands. Seti is coming to sing. And Seti, as you sing this song, make that declaration today as we prepare to go to the Lord's table. I am dead in my transgressions, wandering in sin. I've been searching for redemption on the road that has no end. I've been walking through the fire. I've been living on the run in my past of in the shadow. I've been sinking on the sun, but God, rich in With the lies that I have lived, I have fallen short of glory. I can make it on my own if you can record of my past. I've been sinking like a stone, but God, rich in mercy, you came to save me. Now Breathing out. 
come to your table this is a celebration of life and we pray God that you would meet us in this moment and Jesus we receive this bread of life and as we eat we eat in faith receiving the life that you offer to us let's eat of the bread of Christ Jesus thank you for shedding your blood Lord, because you gave your life, we can have life, real life, eternal life, abundant life, a powered life. So Jesus, as we drink in today, we power up with the life of Jesus Christ. Let's drink of the cup of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we give him praise, amen, for who he is and what he's done for us? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I may be down, but I'm on my way back. Amen. Amen. Well, before I dismiss you, just a couple of, of really important things. First of all, if you need prayer, our team will be down here to pray with you and for you right after service. And then don't forget about the marriage conference. I'm telling you, I am looking forward to that conference. I just feel it's going to have such a big impact on the lives of couples in this valley and so don't forget to sign up for that and then finally I want to give you uh, an invitation to join me on a challenge this year one of the things I'm going to do like Elijah mentored Elisha I'm committed to pouring into somebody else to coaching up somebody else to raising up somebody else in some way to invest myself in somebody else you know, Elisha went on to do twice as much as Elijah did. And what if God wanted to use you to pour into somebody's life this year, either vocationally or to coach them up relationally, to coach them up financially, or to coach them up spiritually? Well, if you'd like to join me in this challenge, I want to do something. I believe in you and I want to plant a seed in your life. And so on the way out, you'll see the Purpose Driven book. And you'll see, imagine living your dream. And if you'd like to mentor somebody, we want you to have a book for yourself, but we want you to get a second book for that person that you're going to walk through the book with and help them discover the dream, the purpose that God has for their lives. And so there's no cost at all. It's absolutely a seed we want to plant in your life. If you want to make a donation anyway, everything that's donated will go to reaching out. But I want to plant a seed in your life because, friend, 
I believe in you, Cathedral of Faith. I really do. I believe God wants to leave a legacy through you. And so not only do I believe in you, but God believes in you. And who knows what this year, what could happen this year if we pour into somebody else? Boy, how God would raise them up and leave a legacy in that way. So I invite you to join me on the challenge. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, may God, the Holy Spirit, fill up your life with hope. Claim your future. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, we pray this. All God's people said, amen. God bless you as you go. Have an awesome, awesome day.